You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. Amen, amen. Thank you for that. Just gets me excited to think about God's Word speaking to us. And this morning, I want us to consider that by opening to Hebrews chapter 2. This morning, we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And so open your Bibles there. If you, if you need a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. And I mentioned last week our desire that every, every person that comes through these doors in our community would have a Bible. So if you need a Bible at the end of the service, you let me know. We have some that we can give to you. So if you need one, we want to make sure you leave with one today. But Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we are continuing a series that we're going to be in for a while. We're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews together. We began this series at the time of Christmas, thinking about who Jesus is. This morning, we're going to continue by going through, and the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us a few things that we need to know. This past summer, when our family and I, we went on a family vacation, we made our way, I've told you about it, we went to Florida and and we went to Virginia, Tennessee, back to here. It was a nice tour. When we went to Florida, we have family there. Family that, or I have family that lives in Orange Park near Jacksonville. And we spent a few days there. And, but one of the only things, I, my, my family, my cousin said, well, what would you like to do? And there's only one thing we wanted to do, and that was go to the beach. Jen and I love the beach. We love the beach. We don't get to go as much. Being here in Fort Worth, it's a little farther than it was for us growing up. But we wanted to go to the beach. And so we did one day. We went to St. Augustine Beach. Anybody been to St. Augustine before? Any, anybody? So there you go. A couple people have. It's a beautiful place. We went to St. Augustine. And now, the, when you think about Florida beaches, there's two different. There's the Atlantic side beaches. And the Gulf side, right? The Gulf is the, the beautiful side that you see. The Atlantic, I love the Atlantic, but it's rough. can be very rough. So we get there, and we get to the beach. And again, I grew up going to the beach, and we put all our stuff down. And immediately, you want to get in the water. And we did. But it was rough. It was a rough day. If you've been on the Atlantic and been to seen some rough waters, you know what I'm talking about. Big waves were crashing down. I mean, it was... You know, you, you went in, and you started here, and you ended up way down here in one second. I mean, it was very rough. Well, so the kids couldn't go out too far. They went out a little bit, but not too far because of safety. But we're, we're there, and we're watching. And again, the, the wave crashes, and you get drifted down really far quick. So all the adults were on high alert watching. Had to be careful, right? You know, we've been around water enough to know you, you have to be careful. That drift can get you. 
But as dangerous as that is, and it is, but we're, we're watching, not going in far, doing all the safety things. But there's something more, even more dangerous sometimes than the visible roughness. You see, sometimes in the ocean there are currents, rip currents. There are other things, undercurrents, that you can't always see. There are some things that happen. It may not look rough, but guess what? Those currents can sweep you away. Oftentimes in our life, in our spiritual lives, there are the silent undercurrents that can sweep people away. Oftentimes, many of you, you have known people that have walked away from the faith. And it's not usually some big thing like the the dangerous waves that you see. Oftentimes it is the subtle, the subtleness of years and years of somebody not focusing on Christ. Many of you knew people or know people that began their faith with great excitement. The excitement that comes from new And I want you to consider this main point, this big idea. The message of Christ is unmatched. Therefore, we should take it, we ought to take it seriously. The message of Christ is unmatched. And we ought to take it seriously. We ought not to fade away or drift away. But we focus on Christ. Let's read in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay closer, much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Father, may you speak to us this morning, guide us and lead us in your truth and in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. We always want to look at the context, especially when you see in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and you may just mark, underline, make a note of that word, therefore. It's a connective word. Therefore, you've heard the preacher say it, why is the, the therefore is there for a reason, right? It's there to remind us of something. And in Hebrews chapter 1, the author of Hebrews, he has, he has written in beautiful language, showed us the supremacy and glory of Jesus Christ. He has shown us the glory of the Son of God. There is none like Him. You know, with the stroke of a pen, we see the exalted nature of Jesus. It's like the author is taking us to the mountaintop. He's just waving his hands and show us 
the glory of Christ. He's saying, listen, because of Jesus, therefore, because of this, because of how amazing and wonderful and glorious and majestic and exalted that Jesus is, therefore, therefore we must pay, pay closer attention. It's there for a reason. He's saying, listen, Jesus changes everything. That's why he began his letter, his sermon, if you will, focused on Jesus. He said, listen, it's all about Jesus. Therefore, we must pay closer attention. This is one of several warning passages in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews will have several passages that will warn you and me, about certain things in our spiritual life. This is his, this is the first one. He said, warning, be careful. Jesus isn't everything to us, but be careful. Therefore, because of Jesus, pay closer attention. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. What are we listening to? Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 1, he speaks about, he says, that at one time God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days in verse 2 of chapter 1, he has spoken to us by his Son. So the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, be careful, listen to what you've heard. And what we have heard is the message spoken by his son, Jesus Christ, the message of salvation, the message of the gospel, the message that you and I are sinful people. We are separated from God, but yet through his great love, Jesus Christ, lived and died on a cross, rose again three days later so that we could have eternal life. That's the gospel message. That's the message that Jesus Christ came. He spoke verbally, but he also spoke it, if you will, through his life and what he did. Say, listen to this message. This message. Message that will change your life on this earth, but also change your life for all eternity. It is this message that we are to listen to. But then he says there's a danger, though. He said there's a danger. There's a danger of drifting away. He says, listen, you got to listen to this message, but, but not only do you just hear the words, he's saying, listen, you need to pay careful attention. You need to really focus in. You need to really think about it and consider it and pay close attention to what you've heard because there is a danger about drifting away. It's like being on the ocean. Drifting. You see, oftentimes we think about the danger, as I mentioned, the danger of the ocean with the storms and the waves. And yes, that can be very dangerous, of course. 
But the more insidious danger is the danger that you can't see and how you can drift away in the ocean without even knowing it's happening. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. It's scary. In the same way in our spiritual lives. It's so often not the great storms that will drift us away from Christ, but it's the subtleties. It's the subtleties. It's the when everything seems to be okay. Oftentimes there are undercurrents of unbelief. Undercurrents of unbelief. Things that we can't always see, but sometimes there's undercurrents of these unbelief in our heart that's stirring up. Stirring up doubts. There's things that we don't fully believe. We don't, we don't think about it always, but we have unbelief. Oftentimes there are the steady winds of worldliness and culture that push against us. We live in this world, so we don't always, some, so often we are desensitized, aren't we, to the world. We fed into the world. We've allowed the entertainment, the thought, that all the things in this worldliness pushes against us and drifts us away from the gospel. We don't even know what's happening. We're just part of the culture. We just, we just live, but we listen. We soak in the world and the culture. And it's slowly pushing us away. From Christ. And oftentimes there's the tides of time. The tides that come, the highs and the lows that are inevitable with the tides. But these tides, these highs and lows, they will take you to places that you didn't know you were going. These great moments in your life and these great valleys, but they just come. Inevitably. You've heard it said that if you're in a valley now, just wait, you'll be in a mountaintop soon. Or vice versa. And oftentimes these these tides of time, they just wear on us and they lead us away from Christ. Or it could be the just the smooth sway of a boat out on the ocean water or the lake water. It can rock you to sleep, can it? In the calm waters. Nothing bad is happening. It's very smooth. And next thing you know, your eyes get heavy. In our Christian life. Sometimes it's the smooth waters of ordinary living that rock us to spiritual sleepiness. And next thing you know, we're just living our life and we're asleep. And the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, you, you have to be careful. Because unbelief can stir up this doubt or these, the winds of worldliness, they can push against you. The tides of time or the, the ordinary swaying of life. You're in tr- you're, you could be in trouble. Be careful. So you've got to pay attention. The message of Christ is unmatched. We've got to take it seriously. But then he's going he's to show us why. 
In the next three verses, he's going he's gonna to show us why this message is so important. Why this message should be heeded. He's going to use a style of argumentation that's a Hebrew or rabbinic style of argumentation. The, the style is called Kal Wachomer. It's Hebrew. I, I will in a minute. How about that? <laughs> after, give me after church. It's a rabbinic style of argumentation from light to heavy or lesser to greater. Now, what I mean by that is he's going to argue from the lesser to the greater by saying, listen, if this is true and it's lesser, then the greater in turn must be true on a greater extent. Let me explain as we go through this. He's going to begin by what he calls the lesser. Now, lesser is not unimportant, but lesser when compared to the greater. He starts by saying, listen, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just reputation. Here's the lesser. So what is this message that was declared by angels? What is this that was declared by angels? This was the law of God. This was the law that Moses received in the Old Testament. We'll see several places that tell us this. In Acts 7.53, in Stephen's deathbed sermon, he says, You received, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Paul in Galatians 3 says, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and was put into place through angels by an intermediary. You see, one of the things that the Hebrew Bible will tell you is that the law of God was, there was, there was the mediated through the angelic realm, the angels. And remember in Hebrews chapter 1, the writer is going to say Jesus is greater than the angels. He's saying, listen, this message that was declared by angels, this is the, the law of God. It was declared by angels. It, there was also punishment that came when someone neglected the law. It was reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. If you broke the law, there was a punishment. But it was a just punishment. It was just because we are breaking the law of God. So he said, listen, that, if that's true, that's the lesser. And again, lesser's not unimportant. But he says, if that is true, if there was a just punishment for breaking the law of God, then how much more, the lesser to the greater, how much more, how much more severe will it be if we do not, if we neglect the great salvation? How much worse will it be if we neglect the great salvation, the message of Jesus Christ? 
He's saying, if God punished those who neglected the law, how much more? Why is it so much more? Why is the message of this great salvation greater than the message of the law? Because you see, the message of the law was delivered by God himself. There were no angelic mediaries. There was God. God the Son, He delivered the message Himself. This is why the great salvation, the new covenant, the gospel is greater than the law. He's going to give us three reasons. The first is that Jesus Christ delivered it. It was come through God. First, Timothy tells us, for there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and men, Man, Jesus Christ, whom the Bible tells us is God in the flesh. They have different ways that they will communicate. Sometimes they'll have a spokesperson. If it's a minor thing, a spokesperson might write something on behalf of a politician, right? You've seen that. And they'll deliver a statement, a written statement. But in moments of great tragedy or difficulty, a statement written by a third party won't do, will it? On the evening of September 11th, 2001, George W. Bush, on TV, sat in the Oval Office and delivered a message to a nation reeling from a terrorist attack. He didn't send an aide to deliver the message. He didn't deliver it by writing. It was him looking in the camera to you and I. And he said these words. These acts shattered steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. America was targeted for attack because we're the brightest beacon for freedom and opportunity in the world. And no one will keep that light from shining. You see, that message was so important that he delivered it himself, not through anybody else. And in the same way, the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, this message God has delivered. And not only has he delivered it, he has lived it. Come through Jesus. Pay attention. But then he says, not only that, not only was it declared first by the Lord, but it was also attested. It was attested to us by those who heard. You see, the readers of Hebrews or the listeners, they're not first generation Christians, they're second generation. They did not live at the time with Christ. They heard the gospel and believed from those who had been with Christ. So what he's saying here is not only did God speak this message, but there were eyewitnesses that lived and heard and saw and knew the message of Christ. Listen, there were people that saw it, he's saying. 
And this is confirmed by what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, he's going to describe the resurrection. He's going to say, listen, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead and he said, then he appeared. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me, Paul wrote. He said, listen, this message is so important that it has eyewitness testimony. There are people that saw it and believed. This is one of the greatest evidences of the truth and reality of Christianity. There were people that lived at the same time of Jesus Christ that gave credible eyewitness testimony. In fact, there is testimony that exists outside of the Bible that Jesus lived. It's not just the Bible itself. There's testimony, historical testimony that Jesus lived. He said, listen, there, there are people that saw that it's real. It really happened. It really existed. He said, there are people that saw it and taught us. But then the third reason, he says, this message was confirmed by God. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according, distributed according to His will. This message was confirmed by God. The miraculous the signs and wonders that we see in the book of Acts. This is speaking very heavily to what we see in the book of Acts. All these things were happening to confirm the message. And this tells us something very important about the role of the miraculous in our lives. The role of the miraculous, the signs and the wonders do not exist for their own selves. The miraculous exists to point people to the message of Jesus Christ. Anytime you see the miraculous in the Bible, it wasn't there just to be a miracle. It was a miracle that was pointing towards something else. The truthfulness of what God had said. This is very important because oftentimes people are seeking Miracles, when we ought to be seeking God. Miracles point to God. And one, many people will ask, well, how come we don't see these signs and wonders and these great miracles like we did in the Bible and the healings and just the, the very visible? Now, we do see miracles today. But I'm going to offer, though, two reasons why we don't oftentimes see the miraculous. 
And really one big reason. The reason we don't always see the same things in the New Testament is because we do have the complete testimony of the Bible. You see, in the book of Acts, they were still, they didn't have the full 66 books of the Bible. This is a full revelation of God. There's nothing else that's needed. There's nothing that's to be added or taken away from this book. Everything that we need to know is found in here. And so the signs and the wonders, again, it's confirmed with this. We don't need signs and wonders to confirm anything because God has spoken through his word. Now, I want to kind of come back around, though. The other thing that I would say, though, is that there are many places in the world that do not have the same access to God's word that I believe that we do see the miraculous. We do see signs and wonders because... There are people that don't have access to the Bible. And I believe in those places, that's where you do see these things. You read stories about in missionaries in different lands. You see that. But where the Bible is preached and available, again, this is the greatest mirror Christ. That's why that happens. So he's saying, listen, believe, be careful. You need to believe this message because it was spoken by God. It was, there was eyewitness test, it was confirmed by eyewitness testimony. And then it was confirmed by God. This message is true and real, so you should take it seriously. Follow it, believe it, study it, love it, cherish it. Don't treat it as ordinary or average. Your life And my life should be staked on the message of Christ. Our life should be built on it. Because if it's not, if our life is not built on the word of Christ, if our whole life isn't focused on the glory of Jesus Christ, we're in great danger. We're in danger. We're in danger because we will slowly drift away into unbelief. And this morning, I want to challenge you. And I want you to think about your life. Are you drifting away? Are there areas in your life Where you sense the winds of worldliness and culture pushing against you? Do you find yourself falling victim and prey to the thoughts and values and the mindset of the world? Do you find yourself believing what the world says more than what the Bible says? Do you find yourself aligning yourself more with God or more with what you're or friends or people say. That's a litmus test for our life. You see, it happens very subtly. 
It happens when we least expect it. Do you find yourself with unbelief in your heart? Do you find yourself where you are, instead of focusing on Christ, you find yourself questioning certain things? It's okay, we talked about it a lot. Questions. Questions in and of themselves aren't the problem, but if we're not going to the source, that's the problem. Do you find yourself struggling with doubt and you're not going to God? Do you find yourself victim to the tides of time, to the highs and lows, the spiritual highs and the spiritual lows? Do you find yourself carried away when something really good happens, you're, you're there, and, but then you also find yourself in deep spiritual depression? The answer that carries you through the highs and lows is to focus on the steadiness of Jesus Christ. It's only Christ that will take us through the highs and lows. Or have you fallen asleep? Have you been lulled to sleep by the average, ordinary living? Have you been lulled to spiritual sleep just because of life? Do you find yourself focusing on all the daily chores and the necessities and the list that you have to complete, but yet you have fallen asleep? It's great danger. Now, the writer does not yet tell us what the great danger, what the consequence will be. We'll see some of that, I believe, unfold. But here he's saying, listen, you've got to be careful. You have to be careful because you can fall asleep. You can drift away from Christ. It doesn't matter how you begin your faith. It's how you finish it, how you end it. Because you might begin here, but if you drift away, that's not good. Are you drifting? Are you focusing on Jesus? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your message. But Lord, this morning, I want us to consider, for just a few moments, Father, I just want us to consider our lives. I want us to think about areas in our life in which we are drifting away. Or maybe if we're not drifting yet, areas in our life where we, we're in great danger. So Father, this morning, I... I pray that if there's anyone here that is struggling with unbelief or doubt, Father, I pray that this morning you would strengthen them in your word. And Lord, that they would look to Christ and that they will believe, even with their questions, even with their, they're not sure about, Father, I pray that you would raise up belief in those that are struggling with their unbelief. Father, you know who, who that may be. They know too. 
may you speak. Father, for someone who finds themselves struggling with worldliness, struggling with the culture, and finding themselves succumbing to the beliefs and values of what others believe. And Father, maybe not fully yet, but they, they see it happening. Lord, I pray that this morning you would strengthen us through your word to not fall victim to the ways of the world. Father, I pray for our young people this morning, for our children and our youth that find themselves in the the furnace of the world. Lord, may you strengthen them. Please, Lord. Lord, and there's others that are just living life in the, the highs and the lows of life and they find themselves prisoners to the highs and lows, to the tides of time. Lord, may we focus on Jesus, the one who is steady and sure. And Lord, there's others that are just falling asleep falling asleep, being lulled to sleep by life. And at one time, Lord, they were vibrant in their faith and they loved you and they were loved your word and seeking you. They found great joy in being in fellowship with one another. And, but Lord, they're tired. They're sleepy. Their spiritual eyes are heavy. Lord, may you wake us up. If there's any here, Lord, that are spiritually sleepy, may the message of Christ burst forward in our life and wake us up. Wake us up to your way of life that you've called us to. To wake us up to the glory of the gospel. Not to live an ordinary life, but a life, an extraordinary life. Because of you. Lord, you know each heart. And this morning, may you speak and may you move. And if there's one person here that needs to trust in Christ, they've never really believed this message. They've never began this journey of following Jesus. Lord, this morning, may you speak to a wayward, lost heart, and may they believe Christ. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.